Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Did you want to introduce today what we're doing? Yes. So welcome everyone to our podcast, Spiritual Sisters with Sass. Um, and today we are talking about the ego. You know, it's so commonly referred to as like, the ego is not your amigo. Like, how do you eliminate your ego? I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of my ego. And it's kill like, the ego. I hate that. I see it everywhere. You cannot kill your ego. And first let's interrupt. And by start this by saying that this ego that we're referring to is not the arrogance ego that these people all refer to and that we were brought up listening to. The ego we're referring to is your inner child, your survival pattern that kept you alive all this time. And what Lynn would refer back to and suggest you guys listen to is our subconscious conscious podcast because it comes back to the nervous system. And I mean, you said that yet on the other side, it's like the inner child that and we're going to talk about like, how did this happen? But the inner child may come up with arrogance as a way to cope with the situation. So it it also is the arrogant ego. Um, but it's so we we like assign these labels. Oh, I love right? that we're already leading into this. Because we the do. labels are like, you're bad, you're arrogant, it's your ego. But the ego was created from a place of like actually saving your life. Yes. Right? Yes. It was a survival mechanism for us when we were tiny little children that didn't know any better. And now typically that ego doesn't even serve us anymore because it's our childhood shit. And we are now adults that get to choose how to move forward. Yet so many of us aren't aware of it. So we continue to be in ego and yeah. not aware because we just will point out other people's egos and yes. that, that sometimes like, well, our trauma response in general is our ego. 
Yep. Yeah. And we will point out other people's egos because we're projecting ourselves onto them. I am only ever triggered by you because of myself. You won't be triggered by the same things that I'm triggered by because our trauma is different, even though we lived in the same fucking house. Right. Are so you, let's get into this. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Russian baby studies? No. Tell me okay. more about this. Okay. So Russian baby studies, I can't remember like what war it was, but it was one of the wars over in Russia and parents, mother, mothers and fathers were being killed left, right, and center. This is the one that had like the secret police in it and all of that. We learned about it in social studies. I'm not a history buff, so I can't remember exactly which one, but it was like Stalin. So what happened was a lot of parents were killed. And so there was babies, orphanages were overrun. And so what do we do when we have an abundance of something? Well, we might as well study it. <laughs> yeah. So there's all these parentless children. And what they did was they set out some protocols to each orphanage. Like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to feed this baby. You're going to change this baby, but you're not going to spend any extra time with this baby. Ugh. So you're not going to show it love. You're only going to give it its physical needs. And this is where some of Maslow's hierarchy of needs came from because we need like security and we need uh, water and we need food and we need shelter, right? Well, guess what was proven was uh, it was a hundred percent mortality rate in a lot of the orphanages where there was no love or physical touch given. Yes. In some of the orphanages, the babies that were near like the smoking rooms, like the staff rooms where the nurses would meet to have their breaks and smoke and talk, sometimes it was just those babies that survived because they had the extra like love of people interacting. Yeah. So right off the bat, one of the things we know nervous system wise is we need to eat, right? We need to have warmth. We need to drink. We need to have shelter that comes with the warmth and we need love. Yeah. And the nervous system already knows this. So we start to learn patterns of how to get love from our parents. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then when we don't, we create a survival pattern around that. And that is what develops and what we are called, what we're referring to today as our ego, because now the love that you didn't receive is, and the core of Every single person's trauma is enough because you didn't get enough love or you didn't get exactly what you needed in the moment that you needed it. And each and every one of us needed something different in that moment. And with the lack of communication as children, I feel like that also makes it challenging because my own kids have their trauma. Every single person has their trauma. Do you acknowledge it? Because if you can, then you can separate yourself from it. You can heal from it, which is one of the great things that Lynn and I are going to talk about today, because I feel like that's the part that we all lack. That's the part that feels the hardest is learning to sit in your feelings and move through those feelings and not run from those feelings because we will run from pain to pleasure, but we will never run from pleasure. So we learn very little from, from pleasure and we learn a whole lot from pain. This is, it's actually, I was having a conversation with my daughter the other day, one of my daughters the other day, and she was asking uh, why it is if she comes to a place where she's constantly in the space of people pleasing, 
And so I was like, in coaching, this is a huge thing that we need to look at because coaching, we're always looking forward, right? What's the goal? Where are we going? Uh, If we keep looking back at the past, like you go where you look. I learned that when I was getting my motorcycle lesson. Dirt biking. (laughs) If you're looking at the corner that you're about to crash on, you're going to go there no matter what. But if you're looking where you want to go, you will actually be able to save yourself from a crash and go where you're looking. So if you're constantly looking at your trauma and the reason why you are the way you are, then you are creating your future based on your past right? We want to look forward to where we want to go. And when we hit a road bump, we want to know where that road bump comes from. So the other day I was talking to my daughter and she's like, why, why is it that I let people talk to me like this? Why is it that I do that? And I said, well, let's just talk about when you're a kid. She's the oldest. And she had a sister that definitely knew how to say what she wanted and not stop until she got it. So this sounds nothing like us, nothing like us. So all of us would say like, hey, just give it to her because the oldest was a more chill child than the youngest. And so if you said, hey, kid, just give it to her, she'd be like, okay. And she would give her her toy, literally. So what's easier? Just shutting up the screaming one because the easy one doesn't start to scream when we're working through that. Yep. Yeah. That doesn't feel anything at all like your shit at all. Hey, <laughs> oh, look, I'm thumbs up again. It oh is so goodness. amazing this update because it, it always hits it. Like, it's like, there's nothing that the right time say, too, right? And we can't seem to make it happen, but it happens, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. to. it's AI. Like that's already counseling us all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're on the right path. Keep going. <laughs> So yeah, we so know that like, okay, the way that this child learned to get more love was to appease everybody else, including the screaming child. Oh, look, everybody loves me because everybody would be like, oh, good job. Oh, look how good she is. She always just like does what, what we a good big sister. Yeah. That, how many times have you said that to your own kids when you're dealing, what a good, I used to say to, to my son all the time. Oh, what a good big brother. Thank you for doing that. Mind you, he, I'm not going to, he's a people pleaser for the, for his girlfriend, but I'm going to say that there's not many other places that kids a people pleaser. So I feel like he may have taken it also. And this is the other thing is what we're talking about is the fact that he took it in a different direction. It's the same as alcoholic children who come from alcoholic parents. One kid can choose to be like, that's not me. I'm not doing that and move in this direction. And the other kid's like, well, that's what I grew up with. So that's what I'm going to do. Right. My son was like, this doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't like pleasing everyone else. It doesn't feel good for me. I'm not doing it. Right. Not even, not even me. My son literally would ignore me. He wouldn't hear the words that I was saying to him. He would just do what he felt felt right for him. And I love that. Let's look at that though, because if we think about that child, he would get more attention not doing the thing right because remember it's not like because that worked for him better it's well whatever works for it did but right yeah so if he appeased all the time to the younger child who is actually like the easier child right it wouldn't get him any extra attention but in his case if he always fought it then he got a lot of attention yep yeah and i say that too like with my daughter it was just easier to, I could, with, with him, I picked and chose my battle. 
because it felt like everything was a battle with him. With my daughter, I'd say it, she'd fight me, I'd say it again, and she'd be like, ah, shit. And she'd just go do it. And then I'd be like, okay, it's done. That being said, all I did was, okay, it's done. I didn't praise her for doing what she needed to do or for, for doing what I needed her to do. So she didn't necessarily feel like she was even getting what she needed from that either. So neither, I mean, he was getting what he wanted because eventually I just stopped fighting with him. I'd be like, I'm not fighting with you anymore about this. It's not worth it. Whereas with my daughter, I knew that if I fought with her, we'd get the outcome that I needed from her. She was the so, good child. Yeah, he was, he was the fighter for sure. And that's it. Like, uh, so I've been more aware of like, well, I mean, we've talked about this a lot of like what my story is. And then we've talked about this with you and your story around even our bodies, mm -hmm. right? It's like, for me, I like, I need to be the big sister. And a lot of like, what was talked about is like, oh, you know, don't mess with Meredy because her sister will in. kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. They and weren't then, like, look out for those guns. They were look out, look out for those guns. Right. A lot of yeah. that was like, I mean, it's, it's no surprise that I went into nursing as a career. And it's no surprise that I then switched my career from nursing to yoga. Right. Because they are all like caretaking, which yeah. is really interesting because what came up the other day, I had a very interesting situation. I was going to purchase a business. And I was out for a walk with my partner and he said, what are you going to do about this business? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, it, he's literally handing it to me. It's the best deal ever. One of the pieces was I will definitely be going into debt for 318,000 US dollars. US. Okay. So, okay. So this is great here. We're going to go for this. It's I like, I have the opportunity. I know I have the knowledge. I can make this work. And now all of a sudden I have the following, right? So we're looking at it and I said, here's just the one thing, like my goal for so long has been to be debt-free. So by doing this, I'm taking on more debt. Now, am I taking on more debt? Like if it doesn't work out, I'm probably gonna go bankrupt because I can't even take on more. But in the other aspect of things, is this the thing that's gonna get me out of debt? But like when I really look at it, it's like, I need, I wanna get out of debt. So we're talking about that. And then it hits me because Rafa says, I've gotcha. And nobody's ever got me. Ever. I've never like allowed that. I've never received that. And so when I was talking, I was like, oh, this is a way for me to just keep doing. Right. And I'm still receiving, but I don't have to like acknowledge it because what I am doing is more. And eventually I'll be here and then I can take care of everything because that's the way that I do it. Yet if I slow down right now, that means I have to accept support from my partner. And I have yes. never, because that's not my time. Hi. 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 Hello. <laughs> because that, and I'm curious, I've actually been thinking about this a lot and how come we're both like that? Like we are, we're, the, the family is entrepreneurs. Every single one of us, the five people, we're all entrepreneurs. You and I, I want to say, are even more stubborn because I'm not trying to go anywhere with this, except our brother isn't necessarily on the same page as us with accepting help from other people. That being said, we've never allowed people to take care of us, not financially, not emotionally. I've never been emotionally supported in a relationship. And when I did allow someone to 
give me the dream of being the stay-at-home mom while I had two tiny children 15 months apart. Very quickly when that fell apart, I realized why I didn't let someone take care of me that way because now I needed to rely on someone to get myself back on my feet. Right. Well, that means that we go back to childhood, right? We go back to how could we get the most amount of, now it's not love, but we interpret it as yeah. love. And that's where inner child really is like, let me save you. Yeah. We need love to live. Here's how you get love. So the example of your son, right? It's like attention is love. Okay. So I don't even know if, because I'll have to sit with this longer, but like, did I get more, did I get the love from protecting my sister and my brother? Is I think that you did from us, not from where you wanted it from per se, but because we did, we were very grateful for you. We'd, we'd thank you for what you did for us. And we would appreciate you in that moment for saving our asses. Like, and that felt like a life or death situation. And in the other aspect of things, in order to get another person's attention, it was like all about my body is all about how I am sexually as a being and a woman, right? Which was clearly yeah. told to me, I will never be the perfect woman. I'm too big. I don't have a thigh gap. So then the, so then instead of the attention from the person that I wanted it from, uh, who do I get it from? I get it from the males other, because other that men. was how I kind of like in my teacher, yoga teacher training, I was like, oh, this is why I hate women. <laughs> This is why I have more men friends than women friends. Literally the story I told my whole life. Right? I don't trust women because my mom was crazy. I don't trust women because I don't trust women because, because more men told me I was pretty when we were kids than women. There was women too. So don't get me wrong. But when you look at mom trauma of that, yeah, I'm going to trust men over women. I look at it now, it's different for me. But in that moment, I never felt betrayed by my dad. I didn't feel betrayed by men, but I felt betrayed by women. I felt, uh, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for, but I felt like I wasn't appreciated by any women. So it was just easier because men would at least appreciate me. It didn't matter that they were only necessarily appreciating the outsides of me. They appreciated me. And that was all that mattered. But again, you guys, this is the whole purpose of what we're talking about is that was my inner child trying to be loved. That child needed that love in so many ways that it didn't matter where it came from. I actually needed that love from my own mother and that would have fulfilled me. But instead I got your conceited, you like yourself too much. Don't worry when you're 40, you'll be fat and ugly. Those were the words I heard from my mom instead of I love you. You're perfect the way you are. So if you're going to talk to your children, those are some of the words I would recommend that you use, especially when they're young, because they are perfect the way they are. And they're going through the perfect journey for them. Even when they're freaking out, even when they're being total assholes, they're going through their perfect journey and let them know that they're perfect just the way they are. I even like go to the the next piece of like not even like perfection because that's a fucked up thing too is like oh well I have to be perfect because a lot of the people that I work with that's their story 
they had to get straight A's in order to get the praise. They had, they, they were always, you're the level-headed one. You're the smart one. You're this, you're that. So they always kind of like had to be at this level of straight A's and blah, blah, blah. Of other people's expectations. Yes. And then they would watch their, like, I'm just thinking of one client I have who would then watch their little brother being a total idiot. And that was okay. <laughs> because he got his attention from being a total idiot <laughs> yeah so the two people raised in the same family creating the story of like oh, okay well she gets all the love because she's smart so that means like you can't have two smart people so I'm gonna be you know the problem child because that's where I get my attention from which we misinterpret as love mm -hmm. same thing like if a man says I'm beautiful then I'm I'm worthy then I am enough. And yet it was never and enough. And it never is. And it, no, and it's never fulfilling the way that you want it to be or the way that you expect it's going to be because of what you've asked for. But again, that's how our parents misinterpret. I misinterpreted a lot of those things. So we're not faulting parents here because the way that when we go back and have a conversation, even my daughter and I, when we go back and have a conversation about why I did something or the way that I reacted to something, and then I explain my reasoning behind it. She'll be like, oh my God, okay. So I understand why you did what you did now. However, in that moment, here's what I heard. So I also became the parent who almost over-explained everything because for me, having them understand things, especially my daughter, if she, if I could explain it to her and have her understand it, though she might be frustrated, she would walk away with an understanding of why I was saying no or why I said what I said. So my kids had a rule in my house come ask me and then walk away and leave me because I need to think about why I should say no. If I don't have a reason to say no, the answer is going to be yes. My answer is going to be no if you sit there and bug me and bug me and bug me and bug me. Right? So for me and her, having her understand things changed it. And it changed the dynamic between the two of us because then she could see why I was doing it even if she didn't agree with it. And with my kids, there's a moment, there's each of them had one moment, one, where they stepped completely out of line and you can ask both of my kids this question have i ever abused you or hurt you in ways that was ever inappropriate in the sense that like did i spank you when you weren't did, when it wasn't brought on by your behaviors etc cetera, etc cetera. and in those conversations my kids will be like no and the one time each of the kids they each got it once and it was funny because it well not funny but it's the thing that happened once for each child very similarly um my daughter I can't remember what she was doing. And I was like, okay, enough, go to your room. And she shoulder checked me as she walked by me. And as she walked by me, I grabbed the back of her hoodie and I pulled her back and I pulled her over top of the counter and I looked at her face and I was like, you will never do this again, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it was. And then I let her go and I let her go upstairs. That was her one time. And she never disrespected me in that way again. Whereas my son, it was pretty much the same. He was just going off and I don't even remember what it was. And he got in my face, like right in my face and he was almost my height. And I knew that he was going to tower over me. And I knew if I didn't get this under control right now, this kid was going to take it to another level in the future. And I grabbed him by the back of his hoodie and did the exact same thing and pulled him over, over it and told him that we're not doing this. Like, this is not how we respect each other. And this doesn't feel good for me either. And then afterwards we had a conversation about it. And I said, like, it didn't feel good for me to do that. It was wrong for me to do that but also we need to have respect and I'm your mother and I'm doing all these things for you. And I need you to respect the things that I'm doing. And like I said, both of my kids will say there was never an inappropriate moment of abuse or 
physical anything that ever happened in our household because when those moments came they both felt like they wouldn't especially now as adults that they wouldn't have wanted to have been disrespected the way they were disrespecting me at the time either that being said there's trauma that's come from that stuff I I was also gonna say it's not just like physical that the trauma comes from like look no. at where we were just talking about my daughter's trauma it that trauma of people pleasing that behavior is a coping mechanism and that is her ego and the way so I, I was telling Mary I gotta tell people that the ego is a nervous system because when we look at it as like a function in our bodies what it is is that we are children and then we're taught to think a certain a certain way so if uh if we're constantly saying like okay that one's crying give her the thing give her the thing give her the thing then we create a neural pathway that's just give her the thing. The way that the nervous system works is it's very, very efficient. So I don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about the same thing that I do over and over again. So it creates a fast track. Now that fast track, they're the fast fibers. So that's when I reach down and touch an element and I burn, pull my hand away before I even feel it burning. That's a fast track that saves my skin. It saves me. And I don't really need to be 100% present to it. So Where energy, your subconscious has kicked into it. Energy efficient wise, I just do this thing. And so when someone displays a pattern like this, and that's whining and crying and putting up a fight, then I automatically know that the way I respond is this way, because this is what I was taught as a child. There's no physical abuse. There's no, um, I mean, maybe that is emotional abuse. I don't know what, what we're going to define as abuse, but like there was no ill intent in that moment. Yet the kid learned a coping mechanism that actually isn't 100% helpful in her life yep. now because she's yep. a fucking people pleaser. Yep. And then to change that pattern and neural pathway that you have now done for longer than you haven't done. So she is 24 this year and she has been doing this for 22 years of 21 and a half years of that. And Suddenly, like this kid, the second one came out screaming. So it felt like she immediately started. And for her now to spend what? Until she's 50 years old to break the pattern of what she did for 21 and a half years. Like this comes back to like very similar to smoking because you've created a pathway. You've created this unconscious habit of doing the exact same thing over and over again. And what that comes down to, again, is a habit loop. So something can visually or um, what's aud aud audibly um, trigger a desired outcome or a desired period, which then creates an action, which has a reward. So for your daughter, screaming meant now the now the 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 um, trigger that I have and the desired outcome that I have is that I need this kid to stop screaming, so she would give up whatever she whatever she had to get the reward, which was the kids stopped screaming. Yes. And then mom would tell me what a good girl I was. Yes. And let's just look at the trauma created to the other child. Just shut her up. Just give her the toy, shut her up. So then that kid that never expressed her feelings, <laughs> other than I'm not happy with this, also was traumatized in this response. So we're literally like teaching both of these kids not from an ill place, not no. from a violent place. It's just like, oh my gosh, 
I can't. And now, <laughs> now we're seeing these things. Now yeah. we're able to acknowledge that, oh shit, that didn't work the way that we thought it did. And in the moment it did work because the outcome that we were also looking for was shut the kid up. Right. And with that child, now I know a lot of people are probably sitting on here being like, nope, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to tell you guys something. Okay. And I love this child. I love this child. Her and I have had our fights, but she is one of my favorite people on the planet. So it's not when I say this, I'm not coming from an ill place, but this kid came out screaming. And when she was a baby, trust me, I'd say to my sister constantly, you need to be consistent. Don't give her the thing. You can't keep giving her the thing. She was like, here, take her. You fucking prove it to me. And I was like, all right. I took her for a day. I brought her home that day. I never, my other niece, Never. I would never drop her off. Not for the life of me, I wouldn't drop her off. And yet, in this moment with this child, there was nothing that shut her up except what she wanted. Like, I'm going to say, I don't even know how long that went on for, but from a baby, this kid, she was born screaming. No joke. She was born screaming, demanding what she wanted. And unless she got what she wanted, she did not stop. You want to see a parent, this literally would be a reason to shake your baby. Like I had to take her home and be like, okay, you win, Lynn. I can't do this. You're right. This kid doesn't shut up no matter what, unless she gets the exact thing that she needs. And it's not even needs, things she wants. And again, when I say this, I love her. She's one of my favorite humans and she is not like that now. Well, she can be if she wants to be. I feel like we all can be. But in that moment, it wasn't that Lynn was this bad parent that was like, we just need to shut this kid up because it's easier for me. She would go on for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, like 12 yep. hours sometimes yep. Yep. of nonstop screaming until she got what she wanted. And it would be Lynn saying, okay, I'm going to change this pattern because this can't be good for her. And then two fucking days later, you're like pulling your hair out and wanting to shake your baby because all she's done is scream for two days because you didn't get her sister to give her the one goddamn toy. So this was not bad parenting. There are certain children that you have to parent different. Every child I think needs to be parented different than another. And yeah. this child required different parenting. And again, this is where I say we're all on our perfect journey. It's, it is what it is. You're here to do and learn certain things. And this child came here very determined to learn whatever it is that she is supposed to learn. And, and to, to teach, teach her sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to teach to us teach and her all. sister. Exactly that. Yeah. So it's not because I hear that. And then I also have heard people be like, well, consistency and trust me, I went to my sister and said, yeah. well, consistency. And then was like, okay, yeah. no one is winning against this kid. Yeah. No, no one. <laughs> no one. No. I don't think I've ever met a more, what's the word I'm looking for? Not resistant Determined. and not stubborn because it wasn't <laughs> stubborn. Determined. There's a word here. What is it? Determined. Determined. Yeah. I have never met a more determined child in my life. She was getting what she wanted and needed in those moments. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that's the piece is like, if we look at it, like love is a need and then we create coping mechanisms to get the love that, that we interpret as love that we need, then these become automatic pathways and we aren't even aware of, because by the time we become conscious thinking adults, so go back to the subconscious conscious mind, when we come to the, the realization that we are, uh, like conscious thinking adults, we aren't even aware of the fact that everything that we believe has been taught to us. Yes. Like nothing wasn't taught to us. Every single thing 
was taught to us. So we don't start to determine that that's self-awareness. That's becoming like, oh, wait, like my religion, I didn't choose. Oh, yeah. this value, it's not actually mine. Our traditions or our U.S. Western traditions versus Eastern traditions, those things are taught to us going to a new place and exploring new things and you thinking it's weird. It's not weird for them. It's weird for you because of the things you were taught. So then we learn that like, actually, you know, if you think about us being cookie cutter, right, we're all gingerbread man cut from the same cookie cutter. Well, that's a pretty boring ass world. Yep. There's no way that we can evolve or grow in our consciousness if we're all the same. Yes. So we need our egos to survive. Yes. Because a cookie, like a gingerbread mom doesn't love its gingerbread child because it doesn't even know it's a mom or that there is a child <laughs> because it's all the same thing. Yes. Yes. So we need to be able to grow and evolve consciously by having an ego. And that's shadow work, right? Yes. Shadow work is recognizing that there are two sides to a coin, right? Having determination and vigor have like the opposite sides of determination being greed vigor being like never fucking stopping right and when they also we have the opposite which is not greed at all laziness um like there's all different there's different facets of of all of the things that we have and we have to have those we can't have light without dark if we always had light, we'd never appreciate the dark. Stars can't shine in the dark. We can't have our good without our bad because how do you know what good is or bad is? That's, again, that's non-dualism. So a dualistic perspective is like there's hot and then there's cold, two ends to the same to a spectrum. And then we have non-dualism, which means like you don't actually know what cold water is if you haven't touched hot. Yes. You don't know what, think of this one. You don't know what illness is without health or health is without illness, right? How many times is it that you're unwell and you're like, damn, do I ever take health for, to yes. like, take it for granted? I wish I felt normal. That's yeah. non-dualism. There is no separation. And so in this, our egos help us to grow. They help us to cope. But if we're not aware of them, then we aren't aware of our patterns or our behaviors and the way that they just automatically come out because we aren't even aware that we have them. And this is why in this podcast, you'll never ever hear us say kill the ego because your ego still serves you and will forever serve you. And also, in my opinion, is never going to fucking die. Nor do you want her or him to die. It's a piece of you that you need in order to become a better human being. And if you just like, because I always come back to science. To me, that's really important because I think we can manipulate people very easily with spirituality by having mm -hmm. some of the jargon and just being like, oh, blah, 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 your ego's not your amigo. And that's like, oh, tell me more. That was uh -huh. such a cool rhyme. And it's like, actually, if we look at this as your nervous system, right? And you have a response to, let's just say your mom yelled a lot. And so you learned when your mom yells, cry. And if you cry, she won't do a certain thing to you. So then, you know, when someone yells, cry, that's, that's called a trauma response. 
It happens so quick and you run into that. And we have many trauma responses that we're not even aware of. When you're fighting with someone, guess what you're doing? You're both in fucking trauma response, puking your trauma on each other. But you, yes. but you, but you, fuck off, sit down, shut the fuck up, recognize what's going on. The person in front of you is a person that you love. But and yet, look at how you're treating them. They're like telling them what a piece of shit they are. I and feel like this is a to them. And I feel like this is a perfect place for you to step in and say, so when we're in this moment, how do we get through this? And how do we heal this? How do we let our trauma go without it being spewed or vomited on someone else? How do we heal this bullshit side so that we don't treat other people the way that we were treated so that we're not in trauma response? Because I got to tell you, I know for a fact, when I'm in trauma response, I am far from my best self far from my best self. As my sister puts it, I dig my claws in. So right? you have like these awesome, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz in the four agreements consistently speaks about the fact that your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So if you mm -hmm. just stop projecting all your shit outwards and you actually look at like, okay, um, this is happening, you know, like, I don't like you because you're so aggressive whatever that might be. Yeah. The, the response in that is like my aggression sees that person's aggression. And because I don't like that part of me because yes. I got that from somebody, I, instead of having to do my own work, can just blame you and you're a piece of shit. I can point fingers. I can point fingers. I can point fingers. And it feels, I feel like the hardest thing that we do in this, in all of the work that we do with this personal growth thing is look at your fucking self. That's the hardest part. When you point three fingers, a finger, back. three pointing back. So what is that? And like, why is it you're being upset? And so, I mean, we could even do a podcast on personal responsibility because that's where I always mm -hmm. go with it. Yeah. It's like, if I see that part in you, this is actually just the universe putting you in front of me so that I mirror. can see that I don't like that part. And why is it coming up right now? Because it's ready to be healed. And I feel like too, with that one, with like the perfect example, being aggressive, if somebody brings that up in a conversation with me, I don't get upset about it, but I immediately am aware of the conversation because for me, one of my triggers is aggression. I do sometimes can come across as aggressive, which not my intention. However, it's something in me that I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be more assertive with love because aggression is something I learned was one of the easiest ways to get what I needed and wanted. And I just considered myself a warrior. So when someone says aggression, why are you being so aggressive or whatever that is, that is, and I say a trigger, it's a trigger to make me look at myself. Whereas one of you guys listening could be like, I don't even know why they're talking about aggression. It's not a big deal. That's because it's not your shit. Right. So someone talking to them about you, about being aggressive, you're going to kind of laugh it off because it's not true at all but it's because they're still seeing themselves in you. It's not about you. So when I'm seeing my shit in you, that's not, you're not, you don't even have to be aggressive in order for me to feel like we need to talk about the aggression. And that's the part. So how do you heal your inner child so that you're constantly not in that space? Well, there's many different ways. And one of the ways that I work with some of my clients is like in that moment, a lot of people will intellectualize. Okay, I'm being aggressive because of this thing, and that's actually not even like a that's me not thing. Even helpful, right? Yep. It's like, yep. well, actually, stop right now because 
what I need you to do is like, how old are you? Why, like, what's, when's the last time you had this feeling in your body? And then, or the, 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 as far back as you can go when you first felt this in your body and a memory will come up. And, and oftentimes too, I'm going to interrupt you with that one, because oftentimes when we ask people, I know from my clients, when I ask them, when was the first time you remember feeling this feeling? 90% of the time people are like, when I was in high school. No, when you were in high school or after say nine to 12 years old, when your own consciousness starts to develop, you're going to start to remember when you could acknowledge and articulate the feeling prior to that, it happened. It happened in your childhood before you could articulate how it felt, before you could even contemplate how it felt, before you could think about how it felt, before you knew what words to use to describe how it felt. It has happened to you at the beginning of your life. And then when you hit high school, your teenage years, now I can explain to you what I'm feeling. So that's going to be one of the memories. But we typically want you to go further back than that. We want you to go for way further back than that and figure out when did your primary caregivers make you feel the way you're feeling right now? So I heard a couple of words, make you. Mm -hmm. I know. I, every time I say anything. it, I'm like, I know she's going to correct yeah, me on this one. Yeah. You felt that way. And, and yes, I agree. It, the way that the nervous system works is that like, okay, you're a child. Let's just say you're three, right? And you find out that if you whine, that you get hit or screamed at. So you can either- Or what you learn, want. So you can either learn like, okay, if I whine, I get more attention. I see that as love. Or if I whine, I better not whine because I don't get the attention that I want. That's not love, whatever. Or if I want to get my love, which is what I want, right? That's, that's the story. So that thing happens and you learn a behavior. That behavior, that happens. Now that's the implantation of the story, right? Back to unconscious, subconscious, conscious mind. So I am whatever. I'm whatever the story is around there. I if I'm whiny, to, this is the outcome. Yeah, I need And to then as an adult, if I'm whiny, I'm going to get what I want. And that's why you'll have certain adults that are whiny as well. Well, the, that initial happens and now the story is created. So from this moment on, you have a reaction that you actually hold back. And that reaction is energy in motion and it's not able to move. So it's in the body. So then what happens is the next time you have a situation, which is going to be the same one, but maybe a different circumstance, you not only have an emotional reaction to what's happening in front of you, you have the reaction to what happened last time too, because it's pent up. So now what we do is it's like, if you look back at what your fucking trauma is, it's the same throughout your whole life. Yep. It's the same fucking story. It's just different people that are fucking playing it out. Yes. With, right. I'm and that's not how you know it's your so own shit. I just keep going with unlovable pe people that aren't going to love me. Yes. People that choose them over me. People that choose other people over me. Because that's the story. I'm unlovable. Right. I, I already caught it when I was a kid. I'm not lovable. My mom doesn't love me. Now, here I am, 44 years old. And well, coming to a place of like, maybe. But until then, never saw that. And so there's this, there's 44 years, or if we say three to 44, there's 41 years of proof that I'm not fucking lovable. Yep. And so if I just come at it like, well, I mean, that's bullshit. So I'm three 
and a little baby comes up to you and says, I'm not lovable. And you're like, well, that's bullshit. Is that actually how you deal with your inner child? Like, no, you need no. to imagine yourself as a fucking three-year-old. And she doesn't need to hear, well, that's bullshit or get over it or grow the fuck up. She's fucking three. She needs to hear, oh my God, baby, you are more than lovable. You are just- And it's about like taking the minute to get quiet, take a few breaths, imagine that child. Even if you're putting this off for a couple hours, go back to that feeling, imagine that child. And if that was your child and she could communicate with you, what would you say to her? Because we did this on one of our other podcasts as well, where Lynn helped me go in and tell my three-year-old, which was really interesting. We did talk about that because I don't usually remember that far back. And yet I very clearly remembered my mom basically being like, don't feed her ego. She's not that great, which led to my, well, who the fuck are you to be pretty? Who the fuck are you to be happy? Who the fuck are you to be successful? Well, then we go in and I talk to her and it's actually really helpful also if you have someone to talk about these things with. Because I said what I felt I needed, but then Lynn added to that and was like, I would tell that little girl, own that shit. Be that girl. Be awesome. You are all those things. And that little girl literally did like her little strut. Yeah, yeah, watch me. And she walked away in my head. And I was like, oh, like I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps again right now because of it. Because it literally, that little girl then was able to feel that moment. And that little girl was able to be like, okay, now the hard part about healing in these ways is that that was one of the first times that this happened. And how many hundreds of times did it happen per year over the last 41 for you and 42 for me, 40 for me? Like how many times did we see this little person experience all this trauma that was the same trauma repeating and feeding into the subconscious? right? And so every time it comes up is another opportunity for you to go and look at those things and say, well, which time was this? Because it maybe it is the same. Maybe it's the same exact moment that you didn't get through. But maybe it is that same. Maybe it's a new moment that happened months later. Maybe it happened years later. Different times are going to bring up different moments of the same trauma. It's the same, like when we were walking the other day, and it was like a recognition of like, I actually have to receive here because that I can't receive because I'm not lovable. This is why I pay for everything. This is why I've been so successful. This is like literally because I just want to be loved. And I think that like financially or smart wise, because those were ways that people have expressed their love. Acknowledged acknowledged I wouldn't even say expressed because even that when we did we Lynn and I have genius IQs and when we did school I know we've talked about this in the podcast that I would come in at 85 percent and get you know b pluses a minuses and when they bitch at me about it and I put effort in I would still get bitched at for it not being well enough even if it was an a plus it would say that I needed improvement in that I talked too much in classroom well they still had something to bitch about So I thought, you know what, I'm just not going to put any effort in. And this actually surfaced for me really interesting enough with my coach recently, because we had our podcast, we talked about that. And then my coach came in and was like, okay, so we're going to change up your program and I need you to commit to Fridays. And I was like, I don't work Fridays. And he's like, I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about gym and what our goals need to be because of the way I need to space out this for your ultimate recovery. I need you to commit to being here on Fridays. And I went from talking to him like this 
to crossing my legs and sitting like this talking to him and he's like okay can we just talk about that for a second and I was like what are we talking about and he's like can we talk about the way you're sitting can you put your feet on the floor can you ground for a minute and talk to me Meredith? what's going on here and it took me a minute because I was completely unconscious that I was even doing it I just literally felt yet another person coming at me telling me I wasn't doing enough and I was like oh shit and he's like what I'm like this is my 85 percent and he's like yeah, I can see that. He's like, I see you've been giving 85%, which he's like, for most people, I do have to struggle to get them to give the 85. He's like, but I know what you're capable of. And I'm like, fucking here we go again. Another person telling me I can be better than I am. So I'm not enough. And he's like, not what I'm saying at all. He's like, I'm asking why you limit yourself. Because it's not me who's doing the workouts, Meredy. It's not me who's committing to this program or not committing to this program. It's you. So what's going on inside you that you're literally looking at me with so much distaste in your face and I was like shit and then it was like I even said to him I was like I have a lot of thinking I need to do about what this is so I'm not committing to anything yet because I really hate letting people down in that sense as well so I'm not committing to anything at the moment and that's my people pleasing where I need to go home and I need to process some of what we're talking about right now, because what it's bringing up for me is that I'm showing up everywhere in my life at 85% because it's just good enough, which then goes into what you're talking about with the, well, I could be more successful if. So then I go home and I start analyzing like what he said to me. And if I gave 80, if I gave 95%, what would that look like? Well, if I can give 95% at the gym, why wouldn't I give 95% in my business? How could I give 95% in my business? And now I'm in this self spiral of beating myself up for not doing good enough because I am not enough. And then I talked to him and he's like, you know, that was not my intention at all. And I was like, oh, I'm fully aware. I was like, I actually wanted to thank you for surfacing some of this shit for me. Because now I have a chance to look at it and ask myself, why am I being like this? Why am I struggling with 85%? And especially because we talked about this even this morning is the universe will bring things to you multiple times, especially if you're not listening. And if you're not listening, it literally is going to start to smack you around. Now, the universe typically comes in whispering at you being like, hey, it's here. Hey, here's something for you to look at. Hey, here's something for you to, yo bitch listen up there's something for you to look at here <laughs> and then it smacks you in the head and that was my moment of being smacked in the head because I heard what we said in our podcast I heard myself say those things but it didn't do anything now I'm giving 95 percent at the gym and I'm giving 95 percent to my clients I'm taking on more coaching clients I'm working with more of my addicts like I'm giving more and the crazy part about it is the person who's getting more is me. So this has been like, it's so interesting the way that these things can surface and it all comes from I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. I think that's perfect. I do too. I hope you guys all learned something from these things and us like exposing all of our shit we're not puking our trauma onto you. We're trying to share our trauma and show you how we move through these things yeah. because this is how we heal. And oftentimes, like when there's something for one of us to heal, we immediately call the other one, whether it's for coaching, whether it's, I just need you to listen, whether it's not even because sometimes most of the time I'm working on this, but most of the time I don't ask for permission. I just immediately start, but it's beautiful because it's making my sister 
force. I didn't call you to ask for coaching. I called you because I needed somebody to listen to. Oh, okay. I'm going to shut up, which just so you know, talking to our family friends um, that we've had forever, that's friends with all of us. Um, he called me the other day and he was having like, I want to say not an argument, but like a, whatever, a tiff with my son. And when he called me, I was like, he started and I said, okay, can I stop you for a second? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can I ask what you need from me in this moment? Because I don't know if you need me to coach you around adjusting your feelings. I don't know if you need me to be my son's mom. I don't know if you need me to be your friend or if you just need me to listen to you go off. And he let, said, I just want to vent for a minute. And I was like, done. So I sat there, I shut up and I just let him go. And then he'd be like, are you still there? And I was like, I am. And I am listening. And then he was like, okay. And then he'd like spew. And then he'd be like, are you still, did I lose you? And I was like, nope, I'm still here. Is there anything I can do to support you in this moment? Well, I just know that, yeah, I know, I know I'm changing on the wall now, guys. Um, but it was like, it was, it makes, it makes me feel good. Now that's, I feel like that's a podcast we should also talk about one of these days is love, how selfish it is, how selfish we are, even in our ways of trying to help other people. Because when I help other people, I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel amazing. When someone comes to me and says, you helped me change my life, that shit is like next level. And as I'm evolving, I'm seeing that in those moments of even just being there to support somebody, it still makes me feel good, even not providing them the information I may have. Right. So I feel like that may be one of the podcasts that we talk about soon too, guys. But is there anything else you want to add to this, Lynn? No, I think it's great. I appreciate everyone. And yes, for sure. I love you. And thank you guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness, or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always.